0: We are so blessed at First Assembly of God with such a wonderful staff. Uh, I'll tell you, over the past four weeks, I, we, Heather and I listened to every sermon that was preached on emotions, from from compassion to anger, from anxiety. I didn't know who that young girl was up here preaching that uh, two, a couple weeks ago. I, mean, I didn't know. Who she, I mean, it was like, who, what got into her? And, and then Pastor Matt last week on um, joy. I mean, You guys heard some great messages. And we are so blessed with such a wonderful staff. And uh, we are so blessed with a wonderful church. I I said some things. Welcome to those who are, are joining online. I know throughout life you have aha moments. Don't you? Aha. But every once in a while, I get a God aha moment. And this past four weeks, the second day into my vacation, I had a God-aha moment. And it was all based around a three-letter word, yet. This word, yet, gave me a God-aha moment. And it's found in, are you ready? Lamentations. And some of you are like, okay, he's been gone for four weeks and he's preaching on Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 says, Yet this I call to mind. Yet this I call to mind. And therefore I have Now, if you don't know much about the book of Lamentations, the book of Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah. And probably not many people know this, but do you know what Jeremiah means? The name Jeremiah means Jehovah lifts up. Jehovah lifts up. And I don't know about you this morning, but I'm so glad God lift me out of the miry clay and put my feet on the solid rock of Jesus Christ that he lifts us up. Now, Jeremiah was just a young person when God called him to be his spokesperson for 40 years during the last days of the southern kingdom, uh, Judah's reign. During the last reign of, of Judah, before they were taken into captivity, God called Jeremiah to be his spokesperson. Are you ready for his job description? in Jeremiah chapter one, verse ten, we get his job description. See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot, tear down, destroy, overthrow, to build, and to plant. Hello, somebody how many <laughs> How would you like that? <laughs> I'm calling you so you can uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow. How many know that right from the beginning, Jeremiah was destined to be a prophet of doom? He was also known as a weeping prophet because he wept openly for the sins of his nation, the sins of his people. And there are times in Jeremiah's life where we see him depressed because of the futility, because of the uselessness of people not paying attention to his message. Jeremiah watched. Jerusalem be destroyed, the temple ruined, the city set on fire, a nation led to captivity in Babylon. And Lamentations is this postscript written to express his deep grief. Over the destruction of the city and the temple. In fact, Jeremiah wonders, how did it all happen? In fact, Lamentations chapter 1 verse 1 starts off with that very word, how? How? How deserted lies this city, once full of people. How did this happen? And we come to Lamentations chapter 3. And Jeremiah just bears his heart. He's not holding back his despair. And then we get to the 21st verse of the third chapter where he uses this three-letter word, yet. Yet. Yet is a conjunction. It connects two thoughts. And he says, yet I call this to mind. So before we see what he calls to mind, I want you to take a look at what he was thinking about. Before the yet, in 20 verses of chapter 3, Jeremiah has nine laments, nine complaints. And I'm telling you this, it's raw. It's just raw. Listen to what he says. He's seen trouble. He's seen the destruction. He's seen his his nation led into captivity. And he he just knows that God must be angry. I am a man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. By the rod of God's wrath. We have seen affliction. God, I know that you're angry have seen the trouble, the trials. And Jeremiah is frustrated because he feels like he's left in the dark. He, he doesn't understand clearly all that's taking place. And he says these words, He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. What's going on, God. And he feels like God is against him. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. Here is one who God called to be his spokesperson. Yet Jeremiah's perception perception becomes reality that God is against him. And look at the illustration he uses. Like a bear lying in wait. Like a lying in hiding. He dragged me from path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bows and made me the target of his arrows. Not only is he experiencing acute pain and chronic pain. He says, I feel like I'm tormented mentally and physically. He's made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. In my bitterness, I feel like my teeth are broken, he says in verses 14 and 15. And the pressure is mounting. And he can't find release the tension mounts the anguish mounts he has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship he has walled me in so i cannot escape he has weighed me down with chains he feels like he's in a maze and he can't get out there's nowhere to go Wow, pastor, you should go on vacation more often. And he feels like his prayers aren't being heard. Have you ever been there before? Even when I call out and cry for help, he shuts out my prayers. And even though he's been called by God... To be God's spokesman, people don't take him seriously. I've become a laughing stock to all the people. They mock me in song all day long. Are you feeling it? He's at the point where he just wants to throw in the towel. He's at the point where he just wants to give up. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. And he gets to the point where his hope is gone. So I say, my splendor is gone. And all that I had hoped from the Lord... I remember them well, my afflictions, the bitterness, the gall. And my soul is downcast within me. And you just sense the pain and the anguish that... Jeremiah is going through and in fact I'm sure as I'm I'm, I'm talking about this there's some of you that already have the words memorized to this song because you've been there before or maybe you're there right now but listen listen carefully because this ...is the lesson I learned from Jeremiah. I was close. And here's my God-aha moment. Here's the hinge... ...that turned it all around for Jeremiah. Yet, this I call to mind... Listen, friends. Listen, church. Listen carefully. It's okay to be honest before God. It's okay to tell them what we're feeling and how we feel. Jeremiah, that's what Jeremiah was doing. That's what we see David do in the Psalms. But many times we justify because Jeremiah does it because David does it. Therefore, I'm just going to do it. And it's okay to, to express your feelings to God. But it's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to stay there. Yet, in the midst of his despair, in the midst of his anguish, in the midst of his depression... He calls, he forces himself to bring to the forefront of his mind. Yet, this is what I call to mind. And I sat there on the beach of Cape May thinking, Man, I like Jeremiah Am having a yet moment. This is my yet moment where I need to call to mind. And what does he call to mind? He calls to mind the characteristics of God. And over the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking about the different characteristics of God that I called to mind in despair. And as a result of him forcing himself To call to mind the characteristic of who God is and the truth of God. As he calls it to mind in his anguish and in his despair. He says, therefore I have hope. And it's this hope that transformed. It's this hope that gave him new attitude. It's this hope that gave him new perspective. And I sat there and I started to realize... You know, like your computer, how it has a default mode, computer, uh, factory preset settings, that it always goes back to the default mode. And all of a sudden, I realized, for months, my mind went to its default mind. The factory setting of the old human nature, Our old fallen human nature always thinks despair, always is negative, is always thinking the worst. And for months, I was operating on my human default, fallen nature setting. And like Jeremiah, I needed a yet moment. Yet, this is what I call to mind. I remember well my afflictions, my wanderings, my sin, my bitterness, the gall. I remember them well. And my soul is downcast yet. Come on. We need a yet moment, don't we, from time to time. Yet. This is what I call to mind. What is it that he calls to mind in the next two verses, 22 and 23? He has four thoughts that raises answers to four questions. Four thoughts that raises answers to four questions. Question number one. Why doesn't God just destroy Why doesn't God just destroy humankind? And Lamentation says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Because of his miraculous love, God could consume us and should consume us. Our sins consume us. But because of his incredible love, we are not consumed. That word great love in the, in the Hebrew is hex. And it's a loyal love. It's not a love that's based on emotions and feelings. It's a love that is an act of God's will. God wills to love us and because he wills to love us despite how he may feel about us from time to time we are not consumed because of his love and i just started to think about the love that god has ray pritchard who keep on believing ministry I don't know if you've ever heard of anything by Ray Pritchard, Keep Believing On Ministry. But I was reading a little devotional by him uh, over these past four weeks, and, and he says this As bad as things are, if it weren't for God, things would be worse. As bad as things are, if it weren't for God, things would be worse. Now that's obvious, but it's also very profound. If it weren't for God, no matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what trial, tribulation, difficulty you're going through, if it weren't for God, it'd be a lot worse than what it is right now. Because of God's great love, we are not consumed. The second part of verse 30, uh, 22 Answers the question, how do I know that God's going to keep on loving me? Because his compassions never fail. Now, I'm not much of an English major, but I took note of something strange here. Compassion is plural, compassions. And in the English, it's like the word deer. We don't call deers. The the field is full of deer. There's deer out in the field, one or two, many, plural. Compassion is one of those words. You don't usually put an S on it. He's a compassionate person. He has a lot of compassion. He doesn't have, this person doesn't have a lot of compassions. He has compassion, Plural. But when it speaks of God's compassion, it plurals, it makes an S on it because His grace and His mercy is endless, it's limitless. It just keeps on going. And I'm thinking of of this word, compassion's plural, and I'm watching the waves. Waves are relentless. Every day there's waves. Every moment there's waves. Second after second, the waves are relentless. They just keep coming in and coming in. And that is God's compassion, they are non-ending, they are limitless, they just keep on coming. And I was, was watching the waves just coming in, coming in, one after another, after another, relentlessness just coming in. I thought of, of Psalms 23, verse 6, where it says, Surely goodness and mercy, surely God's goodness and mercy will follow you. But that word follow is radof in the Hebrew, which means pursues. Chases. God's goodness and mercy are like the waves of the ocean. They just keep pursuing. They just keep coming. They don't just follow you, but they pursue after you. They are relentless. That's how we know God will keep on loving us because his grace and his mercy, they never fail. They just keep coming. Then the next verse, verse 23 has this thought that answers the question, when will God give me what I need? You ever feel sorry? You ever have a pity party? You ever have a party and the only one you invited was yourself? And you just sat there soaking and feeling sorry for yourself. God, when are you going to give me what I need? And that's sort of like where I get sometimes. You know what this verse tells me? Imagine you wake up every day and your purse or your wallet is full of money. There's a full tank of gas in your car every day. The refrigerator is full. And your youth and vitality are renewed. Every morning you wake up, food in the fridge, full tank of gas. Money in your pocket. That's what this verse is saying. His compassions, his grace, they're new every morning. When is God going to give me what I need? He gives it to you every morning. They're new. And he taught us this in the Old Testament. Remember when the children of Israel were in the wilderness... God provided every morning manna from heaven that they were to go out and get as much as they needed, but they weren't to store it because if they stored it, it would turn bag and maggots would get in it. And the only time they could store it was the day before the Sabbath. They were to collect enough for two days because, wow, even God takes a rest. God has a Sabbath. So guys, make sure... You collect enough the day before the Sabbath, so you have enough for the Sabbath, and it won't go bad. But any other day, if you collect more than you need, it's going to go bad. And what was he teaching us? That we are to trust God day by day, that his gifts are new every morning. You know what this tells me? We don't have to live on yesterday's blessings. Oh, Pastor, I remember years ago. when You don't have to live on yesterday's blessings because his blessings are new every morning. And his blessings, his gifts are never late and they're never early. They're always right on time, new every morning. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. The last part of verse 23 has a thought that answers this question. What is my hope for living? What is my hope for living? In his anguish and his despair. In his torment and his complaints. Yet, instead of staying there, instead of going down that slippery slope, he Forces himself, yet I call to mind. And he called to his mind the faithfulness of God. I'm sure I've shared this definition of faithfulness before with you, but God's faithfulness means that everything he says and does is certain. He is 100% reliable 100% of the time. He does not fail, forget, falter, change, or disappoint. He says what he means, and he means what he says, and therefore he does everything he says he will do. Yet, this is what I call to mind. And I had that aha moment thinking, man, I've been going down this slippery slope for too long and I need to reflect upon the characteristic of God. Could could you just celebrate with me for a few moments the faithfulness of God? The Lord, the Lord. "'The compassionate and gracious God, "'slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness.'" Abounding. I looked out at the ocean. I'm always amazed by the ocean and how abounding is that water that's His faithfulness. "'Know, therefore, that the Lord, your God, is God. "'He is a faithful God.'" keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations. Here's my old standby. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. Yet, this is what I call to mind. Not one of the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. If he filled every promise to the house of Israel, he will continue to fill every promises to his children. The Lord. God Almighty. Who is like you? There's a yet moment. You can dwell on that question for hours. The Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. Why is life worth living? What's the hope for our living? It's His characteristic of faithfulness that He will always be true to His promises. He is always true to His Word. And in your distress and in your despair and in your darkness, don't stay there. Tell Him how you feel, but have a yet moment where you force yourself to call to mind the faithfulness of God. And his love and his compassion and his mercies, they are new every morning because God is faithful. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bonnie, could you start leading? Great is thy faith oh god God, my my father